Hey, this is Ross Baden with Roleplaying Bubble Radio. We're doing a special series of episodes about game design. It's called the Game Designer's Workshop, and this is episode one, Concept, and with me is Caleb to introduce this concept of the series. Uh, hi, everybody. I am Caleb Stokes. I am a writer for Hebanon Games. Uh, actually, the writer for Hebanon Games. And founder. And founder. CEO. CEO. <laughs> I'm an auteur. Yes. Uh, not really. <laughs> um, so the premise of Game Designer Workshop is that uh, I only started playing RPGs three years ago. We're just coming up on three years ago now. Yeah. And I've done my first Kickstarter, uh, No Security, and we established Heaven on Games, and it was really successful. Thanks, everybody out there for it. Um, but I am finding that I'm still just a total incomparable noob in the hobby, especially like when I go to Gen Con and I meet people who've been designing games since the 70s and right. you know, stuff like that. Uh, so I got a little tired of that in that I, I want to turn my completely noob perspective into a benefit. And I come from an education background and a higher ed background. And the thing is, is that if you don't know what you're doing, you find people who do and have done it before and you talk to them. So uh, what we're going to do in Game Designers Workshop is I'm going to talk about Hebanon Games' next project and we're going to go through the entire phase of production um, all the way from this episode, Concept, to hopefully publication and all the business aspects of everything. Uh, I'm going to talk with Ross about it, who has done it multiple times before. Yeah. And he'll be the expert, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That I have available, and hopefully we will get other uh, guests to come in and talk to us about various aspects of it as well. Or skyping, or <laughs> yes, yeah, Google chatting, or what? Whatever. The future, yes. Facebook and the <laughs> interwebs, Facebook. yeah. So, um, and the thing is, I am doing this in uh, it's still July, right? I'm doing this July in July. 30th. 2013. July 30th and 2013th. So I'm going to go through this in real time. So you will see how achingly long this takes me. (laughs) Uh, And it could get derailed by anything. The concept could change any number amount of ways. I figure that'll be part of the process because I, from what little I know of game design, it rarely turns out like you intend. Well, any art form. Yeah. uh, your, Your initial idea is seldom... Plan seldom uh, survives contact with reality. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we're, you're going to see me screw up live on it. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so the basic premise is that uh, we're going to do concept now. Uh, hopefully at Gen Con, we'll find some people to talk to us about um, finding models in terms of other developers and things to read. Yeah. So you don't make uh, a fantasy heartbreaker is the yeah. term. Um, we're going to talk about research into whatever you're writing. Uh, dear God, we're going to talk about mechanics because ugh, yeah. ugh, mechanics. Well, some people love mechanics. I yeah, mean, I am not one of them, <laughs> but I need to write some. Uh, we're going to talk about how you organize and outline it. We're going to talk about how you write an initial draft, the sit down and hack out four thousand words at a time. Fun yeah. part. Uh, we're going to talk about play testing and all the agony therein. Uh, revision. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to talk about business stuff, like marketing and crowdfunding. We're, we'll probably talk about this, if we get to that phase, when we actually do Kickstarters yeah. uh, for it. Uh, how you commission art, and how you'd be a good art director, how you print a book, the different options. And then at the end, all we'll recap our terrible mistakes and <laughs> lessons, lessons learned. learned. Yeah, so. And a post-mortem. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, that's Game Designer's Workshop. Yeah. So Series what, 1 outline. Yeah. What do you think of the initial premise, Rob? Uh, no, I really like it. I think, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, aside from the fact that it's more material for RPPR that I can use to feed the beast that is the, the you guys, the, the, the listeners out there, uh, and the internet as a whole, uh, there, there's sort of a trend uh, in game design or in the game industry to more open and transparency. I think the, the the leader industry leader for this is Evil Hat Games, you know, uh, run by Fred Hicks. Have you encountered seen that? Yeah, they post yeah. their um, sales yearly numbers. sales numbers. Quarterly, and, actually. Uh, quarterly, actually. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. So they, I know Posthuman does um, yeah, they yearly do recaps things. of everything. Yeah. Uh, so there's certainly opening up in terms of talking about the process and what they've done. 
so I think this is the next step. I know. I mean, there have been bloggers who talked about their own fantasy heartbreak or something like that. But like going from concept to Kickstarter to publication for someone who's actually had a successful Kickstarter and actually you know, delivered on the promises uh, that they've ha- done is, I think, unique, and I like the idea of it. So, uh, and also from your perspective too, because again, like your perspective as a game designer is different than say somebody who grew up from you know with palladium and uh AD yeah they needed to get their yeah books in a catalog with tsr i was sell them well i was referring yeah. to myself who were for oh palladium. yeah palladium ah uh, yeah well, <laughs> so um, uh, it's been it's been improving a little bit uh the transparency thing is a good point because one thing i would like this to do is to be honest with itself and yeah. pa- part of this is shameless self-promotion i yeah. would like you to listen to this podcast and then buy the book that hopefully gets buy pooped out at the book. end of it yeah um there are too because i have base a- and ross payton's book <laughs> uh which is part of why he is helping me other yeah. than being my friend so like <laughs> you don't have to completely give up artistic <laughs> principles i am an educator first and i think this would have been wildly helpful to me yeah uh when i was starting out doing anything yeah. uh, and then uh, certainly I'm going to wish I would have had something like this to listen to by the time we get to the mistakes episode yeah. of the podcast so I, I do think it's worthwhile and worth listening to but on the other end I would like you to listen to this and learn my name if you didn't know it <laughs> and buy things from me so yeah. we're going to be honest about Product. that side of things Yeah, um, it, it's not going to be all highfalutin you must get to the core of the game and learn its soul uh, not <laughs> well I think, I think one thing, you, know, you made the point that you learn things in a formal environment like uh, more effectively than like I'm more autodidactic and I think a lot of game designers they just kind of like are that kind of personality where they learn things on their own through self-experiment you know through experimenting on their own and that kind of thing and it's good to show the process to people because i think that autodidacticism you know promotes certain types of games and certain types of experiences and uh uh, i think the the game industry and the the tabletop games are improved the more people we can get and the more diverse uh uh the types of uh personalities and the types of uh, visions that they can create. I mean, we already see kind of a limited focus in some areas, like the fact that ha- fantasy heartbreaker exists as a term kind <laughs> yeah. of shows that there is some lack of uh, vision in some places. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. Um, yeah, and hopefully that'll help people like me who are just terrible at like <laughs> poking around the program to do it and need someone in a lecture yeah. hall to give them homework over it before they understand yeah. things. Uh, so you get to watch me run through the minefield first, <laughs> waving my hands and screaming, and see where I blow up. Um, okay, so I guess we should talk about the game itself yeah. that we're pitching. So uh, the well, you're pitching. That I, I, that, I already have a game that, yeah, that's done. Ross so. has a game that's done. Yeah. Uh, so this I can talk about that whenever. So. And I have nothing written down. This isn't my elevator pitch. <laughs> this isn't actual text for copy. Like nice. we'll get to that later. It's yeah. just like, hey, dude, I had this idea at the bar at twelve thirty in the morning, <laughs> or the it's, dorm room. Yeah, or the dorm room. Um, if you don't drink like most gamers, <laughs> a lot of gamers don't drink. A lot, yeah. No, that's yeah. true. All right. So the initial pitch. It's called Red Markets. It is a zombie game. But unlike zombie games, it is uh, mid-apocalypse. It's not post-apocalypse. Uh, the zombie outbreak has happened, but rather than just being a complete wasteland, um, there are certain states, entire countries that have survived. Uh, there are enclaves of humanity that have survived in wasteland zones. Uh, there is still such a thing as global commerce, and they've sort of fought the zombies to a, a standstill. It's five years after that, and the thing is, most medication that currently exists expires after four years. Canned goods, at most, you're going to get five if they're perfectly sealed and undamaged. And so the premise is, is that you, for some reason or other, are not amongst the safe zone uh, society. You're not part of the state. You're considered dead or you've been abandoned by them in an enclave. And the thing is, you can scavenge and you might get by, but like the stuff you need to actually live, it's being produced elsewhere and you need to find a way to get it. So the red market develops. Uh, It's a near future game where uh, internet is ubiquitous. So there are these hardcore uh, raiders, you know, Tom Savini on the bike in the end of Dawn of the Dead. 
but they used their cell phones to get jobs, like recovering things for governments out of the wastelands, or uh, assassinating specific zombies, or uh, maintaining certain facilities for whenever they do reclaim the earth from the dead. Uh, and the goal of the game is not sheer horror, oh my god, I'm beaten by zombies. It's in that it's quite literally you need to make money off zombies so that people will airdrop you supplies and you can hopefully one day buy your way out of the wasteland. So that's the initial pitch. What do you think, Ross? Uh, well, I really, I mean, again, obviously, I am biased towards zombies. Uh, yes. <laughs> buy Zombies of the World now. Uh, available in PDF, Kindle, and print. Print is in full color, by the way. Uh, so, Did I mention the part about plugging? Things? Yes. Uh, well, what, what I like is, um, I think, you know, in a lot of zombie stories, you, you, you used to have only the two, the two stories, the eve of the or the night of the attack of the apocalypse as it, the outbreak begins when you're not the living dead that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then you have the post-apocalyptic you kind of just slide all the way into dawn of the dead everyone's dead you know there's just no civilization no hope and i think but what you're seeing in recent years is a more nuanced like more complex view that maybe some society will survive that it will be that that will we won't totally revert into barbarism uh we you like movies like 28 weeks later which was not as strong as the original but certainly it shows that kind of trend uh novels that in apocalypse in general like yeah let's shipwreck. reclaim all this infrastructure yeah. that nobody's using anymore. right but yeah. that it, not everybody's dead like the yeah. zombies didn't just automatically win and which was the common view uh back or the common like stru- story structure back then and what I would, you know, is taking like what would happen, you know, uh, or World War Z, you know, that's another one like showing, hey, so we adapted to them. And so I like that idea. And then the idea of being like a refugee, an exile, someone, and then having to buy your way back in that evokes a lot of these kind of uh, stories where people are in horrific conditions and really, you know, test, you know, who's going to buy their way out, who's going to buy their way in, you know. Um, whether it's trying to get to the uh, a country that's not in war or whether it's trying to get out of the fucking zombie <laughs> wasteland, uh, it's the same kind of dynamic. So you see, uh, inter- and then from a game design point of view, like you have the great like structure that like why do f- three to six people with talents for violence, manipulation, <laughs> uh, espionage, and computer hacking, so Lots computer hacking and other sociopathic tendencies yeah. get together and work to do things that involve violence, deception, and, you know, having a good time. Yeah. Uh, because get, you know, Dungeon Dragons is the original, but everything from, like, Shadowrun to Eclipse Phase uh, to Call of Cthulhu sort of evolves this archetype. Why are you a murder hobo? Yeah, why yeah. are you a murder hobo? Yeah. In this case, you're literally a hobo. You are homeless. Yes. You live in a horrible, horrible Are you living in, like, a, the goal is to a not factory be- compound yeah. refitted with farms on the roof yeah. Or something. yeah so the goal is to not be a murder hobo anymore mm-hmm. so i like that because it like it sucks being a player character and you want to buy your way into npc safe npc status yeah so i like that um so since we're doing the educational focus yeah. um so with the initial pitch so i've had this idea for roughly i don't know like six months now or something yeah. like that and i've been thinking about it and i keep on adding things and i have notes yeah. But nothing in any way, shape, or organized. Uh, I talked to uh, a couple people for research, and I'm continuing to do that. But I've not done any actual work yet. There is yeah. no Scrivener file. Like, I've not begun typing or made mechanics. We're at the very beginning of the process. Uh, so for you, when you come up with an idea for a book, like Road Trip or Zombies of the World, like typically how much sit-and-think time do you spend on that before you begin seriously attacking it do you think there's any benefit to like just letting it ruminate and marinate in your brain for a bit as opposed to or do you think it's you're one of those sit down and hack right away at it guys um well it depends on what the book like you mentioned two of the books i've done you know like uh, road trip mm-hmm. uh and base raiders and road trip like they're very different in how i approach them because of what they their nature and like road trip is work for hire i did that for arc dream and so for that, I came up with the idea, and then I wrote a proposal. And the proposal was like an outline of what it was, 
how long it would be, what would be involved in it. And then I sent it to the publisher and we went back and forth and went from there. So as soon as he, as soon as I heard back from him. So that was like, uh, for a word fire, I'm very aggressive to like get it for, for me, it's sort of a bit of a project management in, in that I try to get, when I know I need somebody else's help or participation, I try to get whatever they need to them as soon as possible. Yeah. Give them as much time as necessary. So like, I've pitched projects that I haven't heard back in months because I just want to get them to have it, and I know they're not may not be able to get it to it for mm-hmm. weeks or months, but I try and get it to them. So for work for hire, it's very like on on the go. Uh, uh, that's also an accountability piece. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something I think. Do you find yourself you work better when you have yourself to the gun, or is it? it if there's it, like yeah, I'm very basic. Like when it comes to like a deadline, and yeah, <laughs> something like that, then I I, I tend to uh, be more if it's something like uh, like. You know, if it's just like the home RPG campaign we're doing for RPPR, sometimes I don't like do very much. I think about it, and then I actually I don't even type notes until like the day before, or the day of, like before you guys show up. Um, so for so that's for work for hire, but uh, for base raiders, um, that was actually something I've been kind of late, like that was a longer gestational process because I was like, yeah, you ran the entire um, uh, Heroes, Heroes of New Arcadia campaign yeah. before. Even the Kickstarter was launched. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. We made all the way. We finished the whole thing, and then I was thinking about that, and then I went on the forums, our RPPR forums, and I like got feedback from listeners about what they would want for me to work on next. And so I hadn't done much work. I had a bunch of scattered notes yeah. and everything, and so they got I got a lot more. Uh, well, not a lot more, but more like base raiders won that that poll. <laughs> so I started work on that, and then I just started working on the Kickstarter, and so I kind of worked on it as I went. Um, but I didn't have it all like neat and tidy before I set yeah. it up. I just kind of worked on it, threw it out online, and then worked on it more and that kind of thing. Well, uh, honestly, I don't know if it'll work, but I'm going to be, uh, without getting too far into my personal life, underemployed yeah. for the next year. And um, what I'm concerned about is accountability, because since I don't have a ton going on, mm. uh, the only thing that's going to keep me from working on the project, other than like a lack of inspiration, is that damned Xbox. So yeah. Uh, so if I'm posting these, hopefully, if there's like yeah eight months without an update or yeah. something, like I will feel bad, or someone will say, "Hey, work on." Red markets. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I am not doing work for hire. I have also sent proposals out, which is yeah. another thing that could completely derail this. Yeah. Like, if I get a 250-page book proposal, I'm not working on red markets for a while. <laughs> yeah, um, like, I, like, when I, like, this year, I've worked on various freelance things, and that has delayed base rate or some, because, yeah, I, <clears throat> you can't turn down work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... Yeah, just trying to be as realistic as possible. Yeah, about that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the thing is, like for me, I know you bring it up, like post working on base or red markets and trying to post a or you like let people know you're working on. Yeah, it. and for me, like one concern I've had with base raiders, I've been working on all throughout you know the last six months, seven months really, uh, and the problem for me is like sometimes I'm very concerned about like, and this is probably later on talking about the crowdfunding is like. If I post this, they might get the wrong impression of it because it's a work in progress, and so they might like, oh, well, why isn't this like this? Well, I'm not done with it yet, you know. But like, so that's that's been a paranoid concern with me. So yeah. like, you don't want to sh- like you want to show them that you're working on it, but you don't want to show them something that's not like sufficiently done. Yes, so, yes, that's very true. But that's that's a minor thing. Yeah. So. Um. All right. So. My first and foremost concern with red markets, yeah, and this is another thing that I think is initial in the concept phase, is um, I'm really I'm really suffering agony of influence here because uh, the the zombie tropes and genre is now, you know, it's not the '60s anymore. It's a it's a very well tread territory, right? Um, so I've got a lot of acknowledged influence. Uh, I first got the idea when I read this novel called The Return Man by VM Zito. Mm. Uh, and it's about like literally the last guy left um, on the other side of the Mississippi, which I think is just the ba- absolute best way to split up the country. Yeah. Uh, in terms of you know you're gonna have zombies on one side, humans on the other. So I'm gonna just wholesale steal that. Yeah. Um, uh, and he works as a closure artist or I, yeah something like that. 
um, and he he finds specific zombies through Skype. He Skypes in with people in refugee camps who want to, you know, don't like the thought of their mom wandering the wasteland eating flesh. Right. And he goes and he kills that specific zombie and brings back proof to show the person that they are, in fact, no longer doomed to an eternity of suffering. And then they pay him, like, in terms of, like, smuggling goods or, or, or things of that nature. Right, right. Um, so I thought that was a really good idea. Um, I'm also kind of working off uh, the the latter parts of Walking Dead post-prison, right. where there's an economy sprung up between different in-class. Right, yeah, The Walking Dead is another one of those shows yeah. that shows that civilization... Did I'm talking about the comic, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yes, it is one of those where civilization does kind of go on, right? Uh, albeit in a truncated form. Right. Um, the Dust and Decay is a series of YA novels by uh, Jonathan Mayberry, where it's about this... Um, it's about a specific boy, but they're in a town, and uh, you get ration dollars, but your ration dollars cease once you're 14, and then you have to get a job. And it's not the primary focus of the book, but um, there are like three or four brilliant chapters in there that I really loved, where it just goes through zombie economy, like yeah, like people who have different jobs related specifically. So like not just like fence guard and lookout, like they have erosion artists because they don't have electricity anymore. So these people get pictures of of people who were once living and then they draw artistic renderings of them being decayed as they would look as zombies for people who want to do the closure thing and make sure grandma isn't wandering around eating intestines um so like i thought it was very clever like um and things of that nature so that's another thing that i answered and then of course world war z because i want there to be you know global socio-political kind of intrigue because uh, I find the whole interaction between failed state right. and existing state really kind of interesting in the real world. Yeah. And I feel like a zombie apocalypse would just kind of heighten the stuff that's right. really already going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of like the best like use of science fiction or horror or fantasy is to talk about things that are going on in the real world um, and concepts. And... You know, that, that kind of reminds me of like one of my favorite nonfiction books I've read in the last year or so is Stealth of Nations, which talks about yeah. the gray market. Um, I know I've told you about it, but for those the listeners at home, uh, it's a book that talks literally about like, you know, those street side vendors who sell pirated CDs or DVDs in big cities or T-shirts or whatever. It talks about the global economy for like where they get their shit and how they make money and economies in developing countries like Nigeria uh, for like pirated items and knockoff items and stuff like that. It's a very fascinating book. But yeah, that's the kind of thing like that nuts and bolts kind of stuff of like how life would actually work and that that seems more interesting than the typical melodramas you kind of see like yeah. oh, we have to get revenge. Oh, I have to save my so and so. I have to get the MacGuffin for reasons, you know. Yeah. Um, so and so went crazy and let the zombies in for reasons. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, there's always that guy. Yeah. You don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I may name that a character called that guy. <laughs> that, that guy. That guy who goes crazy when he sees the zombies. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy. Nope. Um, yeah, but like, I, I am suffering a bit of agony and influence because right. there's a ton, like, the zombie market's glutted. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I talk about, like, themes, I think that's part of what I'm commenting on. Right. But, uh, I do worry that like I'm aping from too much stuff that's already really popular. Do you ever like freak out about that? Because I know yeah. I know RPGs as a tabletop source, like not to say they're bad, but they are kind of, and there are certainly exceptions. But many of them are sort of intrinsically derivative. Like, well, I mean, that's like, the nature uh, of the role playing game. Yeah. it is a toolkit to create your stories in a particular genre mm-hmm. you know, or to facilitate combat between imaginary elves or space marines or whatever. <laughs> Uh, and so you want to, so it has. You should to, put that on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. <laughs> I facilitate combat between imaginary elves. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I know. It works. Yeah, that's a living. Anyway, uh, so like you know, people who are tabletop gamers, they they want to like they don't want to do co- generic space combat versus acid bleeding aliens that want to recreate the movie aliens you know yeah uh, game over man game over uh or lord of the rings helms deep or whatever that that's kind of the fuel for it and so ripping all and home games are obviously going to be very you know derivative because yeah um it's very hard to write something original and a lot of times the players won't even like it you know if you do something that's too 
out there. Uh, so they want something that's like eat. Like the whole point of games is to have fun. You know, it's not to uh, comment on the existential crisis of modern man versus you know uh, can a god exist and that kind of thing or something like that. In most games. Raymond Carver, the RPG. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I actually watched. Um, a movie uh, only God forgives last night, which is from oh yeah the new yeah from the guy who directed yeah. Drive and Ryan Gosling and holy shit. Uh, <laughs> so games aren't supposed to be like that, really, yeah. Unless you're doing unknown armies, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so it it's part of the toolkit nature of role playing games to be uh, evocative of specific famous stories and genres or subgenres and period uh the the but you can be too too close especially you see this in fancy heartbreakers which are too you can see the D D stuff D D with a gear nailed yeah. on it D right. with a different magic system D D yeah. but they're fish people and it's underwater yeah um and sometimes it, it like really doesn't work because um sometimes i've seen some fantasy supplements for uh or like small press fantasy RPGs that are taking like non-typical material like uh, Asian mythologies like Indian or yeah. uh, Southeast Asian you know stuff that you wouldn't really see and then they try and force it to fit in the D&D you know uh, uh, hole but that peg won't fit exactly yeah. so uh, it's really sad when you see that so what you the goal for a good role playing game is it, it depends if you're going for a very specific setting and you're trying to do something that's totally unique like uh Nobles or unknown armies that's one yeah. thing but if you're trying to do like a zombie game by itself is really like a toolkit kind of thing you know you have things like well like i think yeah. even unknown armies has source material like it's yeah. very oh no it does yeah like it's very postmodern yeah. yeah it's very uh, uh it's very morrison-esque yeah. and um there's a list of influences in it yeah crowley has so yeah you, you, like it's just not it's not not based on other role-playing games right. like there's just i don't think anybody had done magic in that way it was yeah no it was i throw a magic missile at you it does x damage it's right. not like i it's a mechanistic bury a dog walk around it three days until it starves to death and right. then curse you with hunger like yeah. yeah that's it's it's more yeah uh, so if you want to avoid like knocking off other role-playing games it's like coming up with actually original story game mechanics which is you know uh, but like and invoking the story and in, uh, in, in, it's the the blend of game mechanics and story and setting mm-hmm. material and um, you could accomplish that through several ways through the story like the fiction uh, the artwork and then the game mechanics uh, and then, like the adventures you write for it, or that you have, you, you know, because um, that's another reason why games have to have list of influences and be derivative, is so people could like have models to put stories yeah. in. D and D exists because of Tolkien. Like, if you didn't have Tolkien, you wouldn't have that story model of like going on a quest or Mind's Moria, a dungeon, you know, uh, and that kind of thing. So it's uh, it's a challenge to yeah. to be original without. Because if you're too original, you're just like, no one's going to fucking get it. You know, that's the problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I think having, like, from an from an advice perspective, I think having an agony over influence is, yeah. like, a key thing you need to do yeah. before you even think about publishing a game. Because, like, I've written pretty lengthy campaigns before. Yeah. And while I try and make them original enough to surprise my players, they are set in, like settings and rule systems as written yeah and I, I don't worry about being derivative i don't worry about pulling in pregen stuff if i don't have time to write that week like uh i think i think like you should make your influences known regardless but i think you should agonize over at least minimizing it if you're going to do something original well i, I mean the thing is or at least that's what i'm trying to do with red yeah now I, I think one of the things is you're basically kind of like a tie-in novelist or you're writing in an existing setting you're writing a novel in an existing setting you know, yeah whether it's lord of the rings or stargate or something public domain you're sort of writing within that reference that framework and so you have to be original within that framework yeah but you can't just deny it you know i mean that's i think why you see like back in the olden days people like even shakespeare refer to the same you know uh, pantheons of characters, you know, from Oberon to various kings and that yeah. kind of thing. Because everybody knew what he was talking about. If he made up, you know, I am king, ex Celsius badass dude, you know, like people wouldn't, <laughs> or uh, uh, Weed Lord Boner Hitler, like people wouldn't know what he was talking about, you know, and like they wouldn't get that. So you have to work within, so yeah, working within framework. There we go. You haven't read the tragical comedy of Weed Lord Boner Hitler? I have not. Oh, it's his best work. <laughs> I thought that was Francis Bacon. <laughs> uh, uh, 
The yeah. classics. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, so here's the thing. I am kind of abstract and English majory. Yeah, and I tend to approach nearly everything bass backwards. Uh, by by going from like the most abstract symbolic reasoning first, and then trying to like make things mechanical. So like right. I know many people who like make a, a, a setting or a role playing game will like will start with I want to do this dice mechanic or we right. made this house rule that's really good. and I in no way shape or form think that way. Right to be you know one hundred percent honesty and I, I move I start at themes and then approach like a setting and then approach. Sure. Specifics and stuff like that. So, like, how do you approach the stuff that you write? And do you think that, like, is it like you know, bad undergraduate fiction? Like, if it starts off with a theme very clearly in mind, is it going to be preachy well, no, because, or bad? I mean, or like, what do you think? Um, themes, uh, uh, like a lot of good games have, you know, a very strong theme, and a lot of games are actually based, like, really good games, like games you've run, are just based on like, hey, I have a new idea for a game again, like a Dirty World. I bet you ten to one was like, "Hey, why don't we fuck around with attributes during gameplay?" Yeah, and then you he looked. That's not a bad way to design yeah. games. It's just not yeah, yeah the way that, I think. Yeah. Uh, for me, I know mechanics are my weak spot. So um, because I don't, I and I'm more interested in working within an existing framework. Like I have ideas for campaigns and stories and structures for games. But in creating an entire like I, I've seen of course a lot of fantasy heartbreakers, uh, and again for I know we mentioned it several times just by fantasy heartbreaker I mean basically a D and D or a indie self published role playing game usually yeah uh, a small press RPG that's very derivative and basically doesn't offer anything new it's yes. almost always a fantasy. Uh, Dungeon and Dragons knockoff, but not always. But the, us- the heartbreaker term usually comes from like the one original thing they do. Yeah, like sometimes it's a really great idea. Yeah, but then they still try and shoehorn everything else that's yeah. not like kind of intrinsically related. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so I see um, a lot of people who just like I gotta create everything from new, and like for me, it's like I have an idea for a story, like Road Trip. It's like I know, like this game would be great for. Uh, a road trip, you know, type of campaign. Do like the same kind of structure for Mass and I it, but apply it to the tropes and concepts and themes that are apl- of a summer kids. Yeah, movie, well, yeah. with monsters so and you, with oh, monsters, yeah, yeah. Uh, kids literature, kids, um, you know, summer morning cartoons. Yeah, so I evoked every Sentai, you know, yeah. Power Rangers to Mark Twain and Wizard of Oz to this and that and that kind of thing, and. So that that was my goal with that, and I just thought it would be fun, so I, I did it. With Base Raiders, um, after running Heroes in Arcadia, I realized, hey, a dungeon crawl is a great idea. Why don't we just put it in a different setting? And you know, and then everything around that came with how do you explain why there are so many bases and why aren't the people why people all? would do this? Well, why? Yeah. Well, I can understand why they do it. It was like, how, why are they all abandoned? Like, why aren't yeah. the people still? Why aren't the heroes who built them still using them? Why, what happened to Batman? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, or not Batman and his you know uh, to leave his not Bat Cave. Uh, <laughs> Deflator uh, mouse. Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> so that that this, so I usually work with uh, once I come in with an idea, then I try and fit it within a, some sort of RPG framework. Yeah. Um, I never I've never tried to create a universal game system or just create like you know our base raiders using fake rules because they had good superhero mm-hmm. superpower system. Uh, so does that answer that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, so here's the thing I wanted to do with Red Market. Yeah, and, and what it came up. So uh, there's the consumption critique uh, yeah. that's sort of implicit in all zombie literature. Yeah, um, when you talk, you know, especially like Dawn of the Dead and, and things of that net. Consumerism, yeah, consumerism, and, and actually disaster capitalism now. Uh, the shock doctrine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and the thing is, is like in watching all these zombie movies and reading all these zombie books. Yeah, you know, I would find that it would be like in there in terms of like visuals, like they're in the mall or things like that. Yeah, but it, it seemed like very, very few people were like grinding it out in the zombie apocalypse. And the thing about capitalism is that it's fucking pervasive. Like, yeah, like that's the you know, so are hordes of dead. But like, since you're making that capitalist critique, like. I always wanted to see like the characters going to zombie work or having a crisis and recovering it. And you know, again, one of the reasons I like Walking Dead, 
the helicopter flies away, and then you see where it lands. Like, it doesn't yeah. end like most zombie literature is. And they got away into the hellish wasteland that's going to... You know, like, yeah. you have to keep going. Um, yeah. So I wanted to make that more explicit. That's why you're doing a business in the red market. Um, and then I also had sort of... It's also sort of a meta critique on the zombie genre as well. Like, right now, having done no work. Yeah. Uh, but my greatest fear is that, like... I will put this Kickstarter up and people will be like, oh, zombie game. Like, well, there will be people who do. I, I understand. Yeah. And I understand that. Uh, I, I just don't want it to be everybody. Right. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it's just like my nightmares of the Kickstarter bubble popping. Right, right. Like the day you launch your project. That's when everybody's like, oh, crowdfunding. No. <laughs> um, but so I know, pe- I, I know people will still be into zombie stuff. Yeah. But I am kind of meta critiquing on it because, like, they're not as scary as they were when it right. was just a flat out idea in black and white, George Romero. Like, we're going to kill them like vampires. Like, it's only a matter of time before they're sparkly and dating girls. There's already a zombie yeah. dating girls movie. Yeah. Um, like, we're going to kill them as monsters and we're going to have to move on to something else like Slenderman or Creepypasta that is genuinely outsider. Um, and as a result, I want to kind of like a meta critique on that. So like, right. yeah, the zombies aren't, they're bad. Like you don't want to be eaten by them, but like you've been there for five years, you're over the shock of a zombie. Like yeah. you deal with it like that. Yeah. And like, it's really just a capitalism scenario. Like you use the zombies to get money in the game. Yeah. Like hopefully I use the zombies to right. make a game and get money. <laughs> um, so like I, I want to kind of a meta critique on that sort of like lighthearted zombies yeah. or like, um, what was that John Carpenter movie? Vampires with the the oh, the, dollar the sign. dollar sign. Like I think it was a novel. I can't remember. That was a, yeah, the novel. The yeah. novel had the dollar sign. Yeah, uh, but even then, the the movie version, uh, John, uh, uh, his character was uh, James Wood's character was uh, always talking about like getting like oh we need more money to get a new crew together. Yeah, blah blah. blah. So um, and you were talking about like coming up with problems to fit it into an RPG setting. So like the thing yeah. about having a zombie business being outside the state is how do you communicate with that state yeah and so um putting it in a near future setting of like your the whole world now south korea where you can yeah. get wi-fi in you know your basement or on the yeah, highest in the mountain. future the cost of that would be so cheap and yeah ubiquitous wi-fi that you yeah. can pull it up on pretty much anything even if you sell it I think they call yeah it long range. um so I, that's the kind of problem i i came up with to solve that and then i was yeah. looking at zombie things and on the Idea Channel YouTube channel, mm. uh, they had a whole zombie thing. Is like, what is The Walking Dead about? Yeah. And they brought up the consumerism culture, but they also brought up the technophobe idea mm-hmm. that like it's a representation of being scared of how fast globalization is going. Right. And, and technophobe, it's kind of a luddite impulse because like, who wins in the zombie apocalypse? Farmers. Billy, yeah, Billy yeah. Joe Bob, who never went in for that computer crap. Yeah, um, which I kind of see, but I wanted to reverse that. Like, I yeah, want, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, I want the thing that sets you apart from zombies is the fact that you can and do use that stuff. Like, someone's going to take a plane and airdrop you some food, like, right? Because uh, you skyped them and you're using Google Glass as a smart link, right? You know, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, I wanted to invert that as well. Yeah. And then the last one is um, real world failed states or refugee states and, you know, real world smuggling. Because I think that would have a lot of applications mm-hmm. in that setting. And I think it, those are interesting, gameable situations. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, again. You're uh, a drug dealer, but you sell water. Like, um, you know, same or tactics and that like kind of stuff. Like, you're a businessman. Like this is the one thing that like in South Nations I bring it up. There's like businessmen in Nigeria and like their power infrastructure is so bad. They get, like there's a small group of businessmen went over to China and had Chinese companies design and build generators and ship them to Nigeria for profit. And they're incredibly successful. You go to Lagos, you see them everywhere because like their power infrastructure sucks there. So they're almost living in a you know all they need are some walking corpses and they're 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 the red market. Yeah, uh, and so. You could be like you know the equivalent of the uh, these African businessmen go over to China illegally or as tourists or whatever, and they they conduct deals and ship back shipping containers worth of shoes and medicine and generators, and it's profitable. Yeah. Um. And that and from a game design point of view, like 
you know, one thing I tried to do with uh, last year's uh, Fortunes of War on Heroes campaign was yeah. to, like introduce business as like an RPG plot like generator. And I think that's a rich goldmine that I've never really seen approached is something talking about markets and investment and like not like high end, you know, Wall Street spe- speculation or whatever, but just like yeah, basic. We'll, we'll like, save high frequency trading for yeah. the supplement. That after. that will be <laughs> In my version of Eclipse Face history, it was not in the military. It was Wall Street high-frequency traders that became titans and thus precipitated the fall. Yeah. So, like, that's that's just how, like, Skynet is going to be high-frequency traders. Like, that that's all it is. So, like, um, they're just going to be like, wait, we make more money if there's no humans to, to They just with. get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, from there you have that. Uh, a game, like, that's, like... For your concern of like people like oh zombies whatever, like one thing for RPG customers is like hey I have a new game system that will be interesting I have a new thing and so yes. if you can actually come up with something to simulate business market and demand demand and supply that kind of thing uh, oscillating fluctuating that kind of thing on a basic level at least that would be really good uh, and then also on a story level um, I see we, I, that's a good point about The Walking Dead talk being a very Luddite like and it's sort of this American like traditional frontiersman attitude and you yeah know, we don't have as much technology right. as the Red Coast but we're more badass right like, well yeah. we don't need it because we're real American we yeah. can survive without that and there's also this view that technology emasculates, that it weakens us, mm-hmm. makes us dependent on big government, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I really and, wanted to subvert right. that. But, like, you know, I've read up about survivalists. And yeah. The thing is, you can. there's no such thing as being 100% self-sufficient. Like, you can, you can, unless you live like a, literally like a caveman, you will need at least some other people at some time because you cannot produce everything. It's not Minecraft. You can't, like, produce everything on your own perfectly. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. that's the influence. Like, that's the, the Zito guy is a uh, MD who did The Return Man. Yeah. And he goes into really far in depth of, like, stuff you can't get, like, yeah. certain drugs that are going to be completely irreplaceable because the processes are so complex yeah. uh, that they are going to expire. Uh, food, botulism, mm-hmm. and canned foods, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then World War Z does it with the, uh, I think it's the root beer chapter. Yeah. Okay, has the, all the ingredients of root beer and how they're never going to be able to make it. You know, I actually um, just read a real world story uh, talking about the same problem in a lesser degree. There are actually a lot of shortages of, like, common medications for, like, babies and, like, just over-the-counter stuff right now. And it's not because of any crisis. It's because several pharmaceutical companies in the last couple of years have had mergers and so there used to be like six or seven factories around the country that made these common medicines and with the mergers they're like why do we need all these factories why don't we just like have one site do that so anytime one of there's like three different companies that do this and when one of them has to shut down for to service their equipment or something like that, it just means there's going to be a shortage for the next three weeks. You, know, yeah. you can't get the medicine for your baby or yeah. whatever. So, uh, And I mean, like... And that's like no crisis, no zombies. That's yeah, in like, real world, we can't give a third of the world clean water yet. Like, yeah. we haven't figured that out. And I just really like that. I, well, we haven't invested in that. Yeah, but, but yeah, I, I just like that idea yeah. of that, that moral ground. Like, you're using drug dealer criminal tactics to provide... Rice and yeah. like infrastructure, and you know, you're not selling crack, you're selling like bare fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And then I like the moral choice that puts characters in, like, you it is absolutely essential to survive, yeah. And on the other hand, like, if you gouge people, you're going to be right. like a war profiteer who is literally feeding off the suffering of other people. Um, or conversely, if you don't, then the guy next the, down the block is going to do it worse. And he's going to have the money to hire thugs to yeah. shut you down. So yeah. what do you do? So I like I like fusing that business aspect with yeah. that moral choice because you know, one of my favorite sayings is that you cannot spell business without sin <laughs> and uh, like how, how nasty you're going to be. Like no one's going to be a paladin. Like yeah. what concessions are you going to make? Yeah, uh, and then like fusing that with real world things because I think my favorite thing about all these real world failed state things is the sort of logical gymnastics that states have to do to justify letting it continue to exist. Right, like uh, not acknowledging the fact that there's people on the border or stuff like that. And, yeah, and so in the game, like half of the U.S. is going to be dead. They're not going to acknowledge anybody on that side is anything but a zombie. So. 
breaking a quarantine to deliver goods in any way, shape, or form is going to be extremely illegal and you'll be shot on site because you're a carrier. Uh, but on the other hand, once you've done it, they can't actually go out and get you or they have to acknowledge that they abandoned human beings to die and it's a huge government. So, like, it's this whole double... Plus, guards can be bribed. I mean, like, Yeah, and it's this whole insane yeah. double-think-esque dystopian nightmare that yeah. exists in many places in the real world. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, Pakistan. No, we don't have terrorists up there. <laughs> nope. No terrorism in Pakistan. Osama bin Laden is doing those three. Okay, he, well, he was there. But nobody else. That was our bad. Our bad. It's on us. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, I'm not saying you play Osama bin Laden, but that sort of, like, logical, crazy double thing. I, I'm sorry. Uh, another example that uh, is a city in China. Um, I read another article about this. Uh, it's called the the, the article is called the Black Market City. It talks about this ch- one uh, city in southern China where the government just gave up and like all the infrastructure, all the roads are built by businesses. Like to like they need to get their shit from the factory to the highway, so they just build a road. And so like the roads there are a nightmare for the actual people who live there because shit doesn't make sense. Everyone they just businesses just do whatever they want. They just like build a road and then fuck it and yeah we'll tear it up for copper wiring later or whatever. You yeah. Know? So like you have that private infrastructure. That has are, no are there's like there's entire abandoned yeah. cities in China, yeah, exactly, like built and never draw investment, and so yeah. they're just these huge plazas with yeah. like statuary. And, so if the players do well, yeah. like that could be an idea. Is like the players can build infrastructure to help the other refugees, but it could be a total self-serving thing where they they build things to help them to go on their missions or whatever, and so they they're getting in the way of everybody else. But like, fuck it, we need our you know sniper tower over here, and we need this. So uh, yeah, yeah, so I really like the idea of you don't like, get a playground, Susie. I really yeah, I really like the <laughs> idea of your own morality and your yeah. own need to survive as like the villain. And then also, you know, fighting this insanely backwards, contradictory force yeah. of, like, the government and your existence right. or non-existence within it. And that being the primary protagonist rather than dead people who will, while certainly scary if things go bad, at this point are probably, like, the weather to you. Yeah. Like, oh, no, we can't go it's east. Like, There's yeah, a zombie storm brewing. Ongoing natural yeah. disaster. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those are the themes I want to include in the game. And I I think about those on the front end. Yeah. Uh, In terms of dice mechanic, I have nothing. Yeah. I got nothing yet. (laughs) Maybe we won't use dice. No idea. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can talk about that now, or we could save that for a future episode. uh, Yeah, we'll do that later. (laughs) Um, So... Uh, when you make a game, do you have like goals, clear goals in mind? Like, mm-hmm. I want to include this outside of themes. Like, yeah. You, yeah, all right. So, can you give us some examples? Like of that? base raiders. Yeah. Um, base raiders uh, for me was obviously meant to be like at first. Uh, uh, like the reason I chose to make it a standalone game instead of like a setting for like mutants and masterminds or something like that because I wanted a standalone game so people just pick it up and play it. It's easy to adapt to any other thing. Like you could any other superhero RPG, you could easily adapt to because it's basically the setting material. But I had some ideas for systems that I hadn't seen in superhero games before. So I had some game design goals and they were the three systems in there that I wanted to do. One was the power interaction rules because like the idea is you're going into these bases and they don't really some of them might have gold or bearer bonds or rare paintings or whatever but the real the real pay dirt are like super soldier drugs or magic swords or power armor or you know the the gadgets and toys that superheroes and villains would accumulate yeah and so the uh, inevitably you get oh here's a super soldier drug it'll make you really strong well I just inject my wizard with it you know like, yeah what happens when you ha- mix power sources so like that that was the thing I did and so with the fate system it was actually very easy to do I use aspects to like say well it like every every in in uh, uh, base raiders and uh, the system is based on every every uh, superpower has a certain point cost and a certain refresh cost. So there's two point values for it. And so if you have built up excess points, you can just pay it off like you just bought it at character creation. But if you have a de- deficit going, then like you gain certain disadvantages until you can pay it off. Okay. Uh, so that's how it works. So mechanically, it's it's the same thing. But y- until then, maybe like your powers alternate. Like one set of powers will work, and then the other one won't work every other day or something like that. So like that's how you came up with it. But your goal was to be like, what if Doctor Strange puts on Iron Man's armor? Exactly. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And you wanted to simulate in that game. Yeah. So- because that's something that like. 
it was also because of the thematic thing. Because like with Base Raiders, I wanted to go over the super superhero trope of like fate or destiny chooses superheroes. Like Peter Parker was bitten at random. You know? Yeah, Superman was born that way. Uh, <laughs> Batman's parents. Hey man, he, born that way. he was like that's just you know, and Pat- Batman's parents you know were shot by a bad guy. So like. I mean, he was the closest to choosing to be a superhero. Cause, yeah, because yeah. he it was a triumph of the will yeah, and mental illness. Yeah, <laughs> trust me. Uh, let's be fair. So you have that uh, on one hand. So what happens when normal people get a hold of this shit and they say, "I want to be a superhero" because that's badass because they make poor decisions. Because I like the idea. Like people make interesting decisions in life, and they're always poor, but they kind of you know there's an equilibrium to it. So that's yeah. something that fascinates me. Um, so you had a clear set of goals, and then yeah. you just and mechanics became like, and mechanics and setting became a, a solution of cheating. Yeah. Uh, to, of cheating. Oh, and there's two uh, other systems. One was loot, uh, like how do you sell that kind of mm-hmm. shit, and the other one was base. Oh no, goals. Oh, uh, so that I came up with the fourth. The, the loot was actually just like, oh shit, yeah, I got to come up with rules for selling this shit. Yeah, uh, in fate because they don't have gold or money in fate. They don't yeah. Really, um, so. The other one was goals, like PC goals. Like, how do you have something like a PC wants to cure cancer? You know, he's a super scientist. He wants, how do you like have that actually affect the world? And how can that be something he works towards over the course of the campaign? Like, how far is he to curing cancer? So, like, I came up with a system for that. Um, and that that's more of a universal RPG thing. Yeah, that could be anything. And then the um, uh, final thing was base creation, which was just like, how, like fate is very much about collaboration. Like if you you read the Dresden Files and you yeah, see, like players have input in how you create the campaign. Uh-huh. So like base creation is the same way. Like there's ways players can have input and in what kind of base they're going to. Go oh, that's into. cool. So. Uh, that one was more mechanic, just like because of fate. But the other two were things I wanted to see. Those were game design goals. So. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, I have goals for Red Markets, um, but I have no solutions yet. Like you yeah. have examples, so yeah. uh, I guess we'll just see how that pans out. Like I, I really want. Um, I don't want it to be a gamist game. Yeah. And I, I, I will include sim and gamist means that your primary goal your primary joy you get from gaming is the the winning factor. Like right. my character beats the thing. Counter strike and or... tactically arranging that to happen for your character. Right. And your joy isn't doing that. Uh, I'm not crazy about that. Um I want some simulationist elements in that. I don't want it to be just like farce. I kill the zombie with my laser eyes and <laughs> turn it into not Calvin ball. Yeah, not Calvin ball. Um, so I want, but it's not going to be. I would like it to primarily be focused on narrative stuff. Um, but the one tactical element I want to do in there is tactical resource management. Yeah. Because I, I, what I don't like about it is like saving up for the sword and then you buy the sword and then you have the sword. Like, yeah. And then it's done. Uh, you know, in terms of like the simulation, is everything has an upkeep cost. Like your gun has an upkeep cost. You've got to buy ammo for it. You've got to buy oil for it. You've got to have time to oil it. You've got to, you know, have be the skill to do it. Skill or, to do or it. The time to learn. So, how to like, do it. Um, the main motivation I want for it to be, I want a universal credit system in the game. Yeah. And then the main motivation for every mission is that in choosing to play that night your characters need to add up how much money they need to stay alive. So, like, okay, we have our base, our car, this, this, and this. Timmy's got that, 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 that. All right, this is our overhead. We've got to find a job, whatever the GM's willing to give us, that can make enough that we can make it. And then the more profit you have, the less that goes down in the future, the more you could bank something away. Uh, And I really want it to be tactical in terms of that. And then within the tactical resource management, I would like the game mechanics to be kind of intrinsic and cohesive. So, like, yeah. I want you to use whatever the same mechanic it is to shoot a zombie in the head for the economic simulations as, you know, how much money do you make off selling bottled water in the refugee That's a little more camp. ambitious. That's more ambitious, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I, the rules won't be exactly the same, but I don't want it to be like, all right, get out the brand new dice set. Yeah. Do the brand new formula. Do do something like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, there, there's. I don't know if I'll be able to manage it, yeah. but that's the goal. Like, yeah. I mean, to be honest, like when I was approaching base raiders, like I just took an existing rule set because I knew I wasn't going to be able to solve all those things without just having a foundation to create my new systems for. And the other thing is, again, aside from those three, those those few rule systems I mentioned. I just needed superheroes. Like, yeah, I didn't have any like I didn't have any other great ambitions. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to staple some stuff onto an existing framework. 
So um, yeah, my other goal is just because I like them. I like lots of random tables. Random tables can be fun. And uh, I don't want to go like <laughs> I don't want to go like roll master crazy. <laughs> but I I do I'm I'm not crazy about the fact that you roll whether you succeed or not, and then your success or failure is static. Yeah. Like in terms of simulation and stuff, I don't feel like the real world works that way. I feel like if you're a badass Navy SEAL. Yeah, who can fucking kill as soon as look at somebody? It's pretty certain you're going to hit that person as long as you've been training to do that. Like you're pretty predictable. Yeah, but like the results of that, the world that put you in that situation, like that's the random thing. So I would kind of like to invert that, like make success or failure more concrete, but make like what happens to you in the world more random. Right. And at the fate of the dice. Especially in that, because you're trying to emphasize the yeah. chaotic, unpredictable nature. Yeah, and yeah, I wanted to represent the themes. And yeah. then uh, my only other goal is, uh, other than the intrinsic mechanics that I probably won't pull off and the other stuff, um, is that I'd like a two-pronged sanity system that more accurately like conveys zombie movie tropes mm-hmm. like so i'm okay with like failing a check making you freak out and cry or go catatonic or go into a blood rest or, or something right. like that but i don't want it to be like cthulhu where oh you've got a chemical brain imbalance that gives you schizophrenia now like you uh, don't know what happens with you look at cthulhu. I, yeah i don't yeah. uh but i don't want it to non-Euclid- be like that non-euclidean angles man but in terms of like the going crazy forever um, and this is probably kind of borrowed from other armies. I, I want the other prong of it, like, you're kind of in trouble if you succeed the sanity check, too. Right. Because you're just getting harder and harder from years yeah. in the wasteland. And so I want rather than, um, rather than doing, you know, going nuts and having a specific mental disorder that you role play, I want, like, hitting a certain level on the hardened meter you do like one of the atrocities typically depicted in zombie movies. Like right. you have a gladiatorial zombie on whom you fight, or yeah. you feed somebody to him to get away yourself. Like you do one of the like despicable like. Well, I wouldn't. Anti-social I wouldn't make it mandatory. I would say like you, if you do an atrocity, it would relieve a lot of that stress. Yeah, yeah, something like so. This. Like give make sure the player doesn't lose that agency. I yeah, I, I, I yeah, uh, I, I just wanted that to be rather than like yeah. I have a different personality now. Like yeah. I didn't want that. I want it to be you know more in fitting with the tropes that makes sense. of the genre. Sure. Um, so yeah, those are my goals for it. I don't know if I'll, I'll reach that or not. I mean, but, one idea I had just off the top of my head is that like for character creation, you could see how like p- players could choose how hardened their character is. Like how long have you been living out there? Like, yeah. Are you fresh meat? In which case, hey, full sanity. But hey, you're going to be making a lot of sand checks pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that. But be you're a also of- te- technically fairly healthy because you've been fed on a regular basis up until <laughs> right now. Or if you've been there five years, sand checks. Ah, fuck it. But like, <laughs> you've yeah. got bad teeth and you've, you're uh, suffering from malnutrition. Good. Yeah, it's a character creation yeah, yeah. aspect. Yeah. So, and there would be like healing ways so you don't become a monster. But like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it would be it would be like a a, a mental HP. Like if you get too hard, mm-hmm. uh, you are and you go away, you become an NPC. Like you're yeah. Colonel Kurtz of the zombie wasteland. Like you are now the next thing the players have to yeah, worry it about. It explains why those atrocities happen yeah. so much. Yeah, because uh, you no longer like they all look like humans, and you kill them all day, and so you really stop telling the difference between the dead ones and the live ones. Like right. Uh, so yeah. Um, those are goals. All right, so the last part of this, yeah, uh, sellout money marketing stuff. Uh, I know I am thinking about it, but uh, I, I, you've done more projects than me. So sure. how how early does like is this commercial factor in once you have an idea? Um, well, for I mean, tabletop role playing games, so there's there's a certain level of like, yeah, yeah. None of us yeah. are like getting healthcare off of this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so let, let's be fair. But, so let's acknowledge that there is passion in artistry. In yeah, it. yeah. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, like, you don't want to make like there are some games that I just see out there and like, mm, God, what was that guy thinking? You know, <laughs> uh, especially the fantasy heartbreakers, and you don't want to do that. You want you want a game that people generally want to play and try out and and buy and tell their friends to buy. So you, so, need, you need a happy yeah. medium between yeah. authenticity. So again, with work for hire, you just talk with the publisher and deal with that. So that's with them. Uh, for for my own projects, um, 
Like Maester is really the first one, and it's you only got one on me, buddy. Yeah, it, well, I mean, you have no security, and like again, like Kickstarter is great in that it allow or crowdfunding in general because it allows you to gauge audience interest. They they're they're voting with their dollars. Uh, so, yeah, for those who don't know, yeah. no security. My first one was a ransom. Yeah. So like, it didn't actually sell anything. Like, if you contributed it to it, it existed, and you got some special rewards. Yeah. But if you guys would like to go look at it, it's all free now. Like yeah. you can go grab. Except it for Lover in the Ice, which except for Lover in the Ice, which was a reward. Yes, but uh, it is now one ninety nine on Drive Through RPG. Yes, plug 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 plug. You should post a comment on the the the, the, the AP episodes if you. Oh, I haven't done that yet. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. Uh. That is uh. You know, it's something. But, but a ransom is nice because like, yeah. I made it. It exists. Yeah. Thank you. We're done. Like yeah, I don't have to do a lot of shipping yeah. or advertising for it. Like. Yeah. I would like people to read it, but it's certainly less strenuous than Base Raiders, in which like you got to put a book, out. a fucking book, in somebody's hand. Yeah. Like, uh, so how early does that thought process start with you? Um, I mean, again, with Base Raiders, once I figured out what like that's what I set my initial goal at was like how much I I would do I would need with a little like ten percent overlay. So. Uh, to cover random costs, and then it went over, fortunately, uh, which allowed me to hit a couple of stretch goals, which of course added to the cost. So it, it kind of you have to sort of look at the industry and kind of figure out like the main variable costs. Like you're writing, you know how much that you can do in a day, and like that's just that's fine. Uh, but like the main costs are in graphic design and artwork. Oh god, yeah. And uh, the <laughs> I love you, Ian, but yeah, <laughs> you deserve every penny. But yeah, uh, you I did. like food as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, and you, so you kind of have to you have to kind of figure out how illustrated it's going to be, and uh, art sells the game too. So we'll see. You know, I haven't gotten my game out into stores yet, so I don't know. Uh, that's the other thing is like, how? What are you going to do with the, what is the full life path of this uh, project? Uh, if you can get a distributor lined up so they can buy copies and sell it to stores, because that's the main way to be profitable. Like Kickstarter, yeah. the main goal for Kickstarter is to give you enough money to make the project and then have a little left over mm-hmm. um, for your time, at least, that you spent on it. But the main profit comes from being able to sell you know, a couple hundred or more copies at game stores, depending on what kind of project you're doing. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, so I started working. I think about money like when I'm doing the Kickstarter, when I'm at that phase, like okay. so planning that. Like, uh, and and you tend to not do a lot of the work before the Kickstarter. Well, right? that was lessons learned. Like with Base Raiders, oh okay, yeah, Base Raiders. I went into pretty pretty like we ended the campaign last year, and then I went into the Kickstarter like a month or so later. Like, yeah, yeah. So I went into it pretty qu- quickly afterwards. You, so. I'm sure you had a ton of notes. Yeah. But yeah. it still wasn't like well, I had an organized attack at yeah. the book. I mean, at the setting material, like that was I breezed through. But the rules for Fate Core or not Fate Core, Fate Strange Fate, uh, which is the version of the the strain of Fate that I'm using, uh, took a while to adapt. Yeah, and then getting the art assigned and then all that stuff. So I started thinking about money very early on. Um, it, but again, it depends. So yeah, yeah, very early on. Um. So yeah, uh, I'll admit like I have a lot of game ideas for what could have been Hebedon Games' next product. We even play tested one for a while of the Western idea I had. Yeah, and it may happen, but yeah. like um, I, I did pick Red Markets because uh, while all that other stuff is within genres, yeah, I feel like um, in terms of design, I had the more unique take this here, and and then also Zombies effing sell like yeah. in terms of just market fact. Yeah. Uh, not in every instance, but as, as a general rule, like they sell more than say westerns, which was the other game I was thinking about. Which I'm yeah. not saying I won't ever do, but uh, I, I did consider that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, the reason we're doing this is that is we're building interest beforehand, hopefully. Yeah. And so that's a remarkable. And the game itself, uh, I, I think it might work because I think it appeals to the. Skinner box materialist aspect that many games work off of. Like a lot of gamers just want to buy the bigger thing with the better player supplements. Do better than GM supplements, yeah. Especially like player guides with new feats, new spells, new gear. And it's a game about getting shit. Like you need some stuff. Go get some stuff. Like so. Yeah. I I, I, that was another concern I had. I mean, not a concern, but something I factored in. Yeah, to the to the concept, um, and then hopefully, like even if you don't play a zombie RPG, if you're like Pathfinder only, 
I still know a lot of people who are just system purists. Like, I will only play Savage Worlds, or right. I will only do this. But they still buy books with, like, brand new game mechanics and completely different settings outside of those realms that they just well, they read. they adapt, yeah. Yeah, that they just read or just adapt. So, like... I think like this global zombie apocalypse with all these interesting market factors and like yeah. one thing gray markets would yeah. be something people be interested to read about even if they don't play it. Although hopefully it will be very fun to play. Well, as well. one thing if your market mechanics also allow for like barter or trade between like communities in the you know, in the zombie zone. Yeah. Um, like then you could easily do a Walking Dead community like later series like you have the three communities and they're yeah. trading among each other and that could be a whole thing. So like if you have those kind of game mechanics in there then like anyone even people who are like all flesh must be eaten or nothing like hey we can adapt those mechanics for my all flesh must be eaten campaign or something like that. Yeah what, what little research I have already done is in yeah. economics like I've talked to a couple of economics professors yeah and you know, my goal would be like to simulate base capitalism yeah. in its in its form, like not not insider Lots trading there, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But also, if the U.S. government abandons yeah. people and some of them survive, who's to say they remain capitalists? So right. I, I also want to put in rules to simulate like how do you deal with an anarcho-socialist group? How do or you theocratic? Yeah, how you deal with theocratic? How you deal with a, a brutal dictatorship within their under one person? Like. And there's all sorts of like macroeconomic factors that change when you have that organization yeah. principle. So like, I think it'd be really interesting. Is like, well, we could get a ton of money for this food from the capitalists, but yeah. the the communalists actually feed themselves because they have you know equal level wealth, and they need well, they need that role playing game supplement that was going to come out before the zombie apocalypse hit because they're bored as shit. Like, right. how do you market to completely different? Well, the communists uh, would do ex- subsistence crops, not cash crops. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How do. how how do you deal with completely different yeah. economic models and still make your nut so you don't starve yeah. to death? Uh, uh, I I mean, the, and the thing is, like for role playing games, I know that a lot of tabletop role playing games are bought or sold, or because they have some new hook, some new game mechanic hook, and for you, like that's the the, the hook right there. Hey actual economic systems yeah (laughs) we're gonna like do it in a way that's fun and actually makes being you know a pirate liberty you know pirate capitalist you know bandit king possible you know yeah uh so Uh, that's my favorite part of eclipse phase i love that like just depending on what habitat you're on the laws are completely different like certain people are considered humans or not uh or you might have to pay the police to help you versus there being no police at all versus you know uh, so I really want something that kind of simulates that more in the real world in terms of like yeah I get X money yeah. units or lose <laughs> Y money units or that kind of thing. So I like it. Uh, so again, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what how you uh, tackle these challenges uh, <laughs> because or get tackled by <laughs> glass half full, glass half empty. <laughs> You know, helping or hurting. <laughs> you're right. You're so, right. Uh, but yeah, this is something that I'm really interested uh, to play test and try out. So, uh, any any final thoughts? Uh, thanks for talking to me about it. It's yeah. better than me rambling alone <laughs> yeah. in a room with a no, microphone. Oh yeah, that was uh, yeah. First experiments are prepared. Like wow, me talking by myself. That nope, not gonna happen. <laughs> hey, tell look on. Why do we do a thing? So yeah. and history was banter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, we'll see what the next episode will be about. Uh, we're going to try and talk to some people at Gen Con who have been doing this far longer than both Ross and I. Yeah. And see how they uh, ensure that their product meets the uniqueness test and avoids the fantasy heartbreaker. Yeah. It's zombies with economics nailed on it and... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it turns out to be something more unique, more than the sum of its parts, basically. Exactly. So, uh, so how have they done that in their long storied publishing careers? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, stay tuned. We'll uh, yeah. catch you guys next time. Bye.